1: Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot.
0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Tonight, I have the pleasure of being joined by Matt Thomas of the Matt Thomas Show, on Sports Talk 790. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on with me tonight.
1: Well, you know what? I'm glad to be on, and what a special night for us to discuss uh, one of the more uh, on-the-edge-of-your-seats games in recent Astros history.
0: Yeah, so this is two days in a row. Um, I've been doing podcasts after every game, and you kind of think like, well, okay, well, tonight it's going to be the night that we have to talk about the season being over, and these guys just won't quit.
1: I mean, there's no quit in them. There's no quit. It's uh, a lineup that uh, has had the flair for the dramatic, obviously with Carlos's home run, George Springer with a leadoff home run, which we're obviously accustomed to, but we're not accustomed to the names that were such a pivotal part of today's game. Taylor, well, first of all, Garcia, who started the game, Taylor, Paredes, Scrub, who am I forgetting? Rayleigh, Josh Raley. James, unfortunately. Ryan <laughs> Presley, who was stoned for giving you, getting you four outs tonight. You know how closers don't like to normally come in in the middle of an inning. He did that. It's gutsy. And, uh, you know, there's only been one team in Major League history ever down 3-0 in a series, come back and win it. I'm not saying the Astros would do it, but they are certainly tightening uh, the collars of the Tampa Bay Rays right now.
0: Yes, the number on that is 37 out of 38 teams that have been down 3-0 have failed. And uh, the, and you're talking about Springer's leadoff homer run, and that was on the first pitch of the game. And then we had Carlos Correa's walk-off. That was the, fir- the, the Astros are the first team in playoff history to have a leadoff homer and a walk-off homer, courtesy of Brian McTaggart on that one.
1: Well, Brian's really a boring individual, so he has time to look up stats like that. So uh, you and I are much more interesting people with lots of friends, and so we trust people like McTaggart to give us that kind of minutiae. and bravo to him.
0: Yeah, I found that, I found that a pretty interesting stat. It what is. You, it is what
1: interesting. And by the way, McTaggart and I have been friends for 20 years, so I can tease him. I just want to let you know that.
0: Well, that's good. I've tried to get him on, but he ignores me. But uh
1: <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> I was trying to think of a word and I couldn't think of it earlier and I just thought of it and it escaped me again. But I think it's rare. Which one is less rare? Is it and and I still can't think of the word, but they had the the lead off and the walk off. The walk off is the more rare feat, right? The walk off home run. Yes, more than likely.
1: More than likely, but I will say this: it's very rare that the very first pitch of the game to a particular side is taken deep. I mean, George has had plenty of leadoff home runs in his career, but on the very first pitch he saw, that's perhaps that's not as rare. I would still probably go with the the, the walk off dramatic home run, but George doing it on the very first pitch he sees is pretty incredible, especially when, as you would, as you clearly tell later in the game, the cla- the uh, uh, it started to get darker and there were shades that were making it basically very pitcher friendly for both teams in terms of getting out. So he obviously wanted to take advantage of full sunlight while it was there. And he did so to give the Astros that early lead.
0: Yeah. So the pitching staff for the Astros, you already talked about it a little bit earlier, five rookies, Josh James and Presley. So you, you mentioned Josh James and you said, unfortunately, unfortunately, Josh James and I know that he came in with the lead and he was getting some slander on Twitter for giving up that run to tie things up but people seem to forget you know you can't forget that Blake Taylor gave up a home run and he only threw 11 pitches uh Paredes gave up a home run he did throw 36 pitches You know, so I'll give him a break. But, you know, you you
1: can't be too hard on Josh, James. No, no, it's not about Josh just tonight. It's, I mean, if there's anybody in that entire pitching group that probably takes the heat, it's Josh. Because if you've watched the Astros at all over the last couple of years, he throws 98. And it's supposed to be unhittable. But unfortunately, it's hittable. And, uh, you know, the expectation. ...for Taylor are minimal because you don't know much about him. Same thing goes with Paredes. So but we've got a sample size now of Josh that makes us very nervous about what he can do. He starts the year as the what, number four, number five starter. He only lasts a couple of times during the because he gets beat up. And then when you think he's starting to get his groove in the bullpen, he gets hurt and is gone for a while. I just think that there's minimal trust with Josh James. There's other people that join that club, but I just don't have a feel that when Josh James goes in the game that any lead is safe and I just have that based on the evidence I've seen of him pitch so far this year it just it just not has not been a good year for him and I think really the Astros are in a tough spot as to what he can do because he fails as a starter and he can throw you a one inning and be just fine, but he goes that second inning and it becomes a disaster as we saw earlier in the postseason. So I would say, yeah, uh Paredes walked three, Taylor gave up the home run two. It's not like Brooks Raley is this, you know, shut down lefty. But Josh has obviously been a guy that has been uh, way more down than I think people thought of when he, when he first became a major leaguer. And, you know, late round draft pick was supposed to come on the scene and, and really blow people away. He does that occasionally, but sometimes over the heart of the plate. And unfortunately, he gives up way too many runs for the limited time he's on the, on the field.
0: Well, I do agree with you on that. When Josh James comes in, your comfort level kind of goes down. You know, you're not expecting him to go in and, you know, throw a one, two, three inning. I mean, I'm way more comfortable with uh, Scrub going in and shutting someone down for an inning than almost most of these guys. I mean, Paredes, Christian Javier, who didn't get used today. Uh, Yeah, I have a lot more faith in these rookies than I do Josh James. So you are correct on that. Uh, the so the Astros went one for five with runners in scoring position. The Rays went zero for six. It was pretty much besides Brantley's two-run single, solo home run game, and that's kind of how the series has been.
1: You know, it's funny because the Astros early in the series, obviously losing the first three games, were criticized heavily for what their percentages were with runners in scoring position. My guess is Tampa. If you look at their combined box score of the series. Probably pretty damn similar, if you ask me. There have been a lot of opportunities they didn't come through. They've had the home runs, the solo variety, just like the Astros have had. But I bet there's a lot of guys in that lineup that have not been able to deliver for them either. I mean, I'm looking at the box score right now. Uh, Brandon Lowell's had a terrible series, batting 105. Uh, Meadows is batting 118. Diaz, 182. And I'm going just strictly off a of batting average here. Uh, yeah. For as great as Wendell's glove has been at third base, he's done nothing really offensively. Uh, Willie Adamez is batting 077 when he had three strikeouts. So this is these are two baseball teams that are in uh, late, you know mid to late October playing really good competitors with good pitching. The Astros starting pitching, you know, I'm, I don't really count today because there wasn't really a starter, but generally speaking, the pitching has Outperform when it had been during the course of the regular season. And obviously Tampa's got a a plethora of different guys that you can go to in the bullpen as Mm -hmm. well. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised the games have been as close. I'm surprised that not one team has gotten out to a four or five run lead. I was kind of hoping that would be the case for the Astros. Hadn't worked out that way, but you know what? Whatever it is the Astros are doing, there's this philosophy. We don't want to go home, and, and I can certainly appreciate that.
0: So going into the box score, the Rays left nine men on base today. So the Astros did do a good job of of stranding runners. And a, a big portion of those came in the second inning. Uh, the Rays had the bases loaded with Luis Garcia yeah. in there. And maybe that had something to do with him not coming out for the third. I don't know if that was the plan. I kind of expected him to go a little further. I, I, I was – kind of dreaming that he could have some sort of Jose or Keity type uh, day? Were you expecting anything more than what they got from Luis Garcia today?
1: Yeah, not at all. I mean, we're talking about a guy that hasn't pitched since September against live hitting in a real game. So to go two scoreless frames and work around a couple of walks, I'll be honest with you, Robert, I was very happy with what I got from him. And let's face it, Dusty knew that. I mean, there was just – I think when you put somebody out there in a prime postseason spot who has not gone against an opponent in forever to try to do that and try to get more than what you're, you know, you're just begging for a disaster. And I thought, especially when Taylor was the second guy coming out, because I mean, you know, he's had a pretty good season this year, all things considered. I think the postseason hasn't been nearly as kind, but you give me Blake Taylor after two scoreless frames, you thought maybe Blake could be the guy that maybe could give you two frames or so. And that, and that obviously did not work today as he struggled, but, um, there's plenty of options now and the best part of all that is is despite the fact you've gone to this bullpen game in which you did all the guys could throw for you again maybe with the exception of Ryan Presley because he's pitched in back-to-back days you got Javier you saw that uh, uh, Fromber Valdez is working in the bullpen it's all hands on deck with it probably with the exception of Presley my guess is if you needed Ryan Presley for an out or two he'd give it to you as well uh, maybe Peretti's wouldn't be available either but I wouldn't really put him in a situation to kind of hold a lead either. So. I think. I mean, say what you will about what how this team has been put together, at least pitching wise, all the rookies. I think they're in pretty good shape right now.
0: Yeah, you go to tomorrow's game. Um, they already said Framber
1: Valdez was going to start.
0: Javier didn't throw it all the day, so he should be ready to go. I think we're in good shape. I think uh, I think the Rays are too. They got their two, you know, big starters coming out, so that the the next two games will be completely different than this bullpen game, uh, but, uh, oh yeah, Josh James, he did give up that home run, and he, he probably could have gave up some more damage, but he did have that excellent double play. He made that catch and throw to second base to start the double play. Yeah, so I was wonder how he's feeling, cr-
1: though. My guess is something happened, and I was I was at a volleyball game watching my daughter play, so I didn't get to hear the audio. I was watching it on my phone, ironically enough, so I don't know exactly Did they ever announce? What, why he left the game?
0: Yeah, they said his uh, back tightened up on him.
1: Well, then he joins the rest of us in America that have tight backs. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what to say. I, I would say that my guess is if you if your back tightens up at uh, 7 o'clock at night Pacific time, then it probably isn't going to feel significantly better, you know, less than 24 hours later.
0: Another thing to point out today, which I just talked about James uh, – starting that double play, and I think that was their only double play. The Astros only grounded into one double play. That was a problem they've been having.
1: Yeah, that was Bregman. Alex has just been, I mean, he's the king of hitting it hard. It's just not finding the right spot. I would love for Alex, who's only batting 158 in the series, to to have one of those sneak on through. And uh, if anybody could be the hero for a game that hasn't been a hero yet so far, I mean, Springer's done his thing. Brantley, obviously Altuve with the three postseason home runs. Correa's blast tonight. Uh, I would like to see Kyle Tucker and Bregman kind of help out. And then if you can get anything from 7, 8, 9 in the lineup, which, again, they hit two hits today and scored a couple of runs, which was nice and got on base three times. But the Yuli Gurriel struggles, I'd like to be able to have him rally, but there's just something philosophical, injury, mechanical, stance, can't see it well, that uh, Yuli just unfortunately has become an automatic out. Really – since the postseason began, yeah, right
0: before, uh, right before the ninth inning, uh, the uh, broadcasters on TBS pointed out that Bregman, Correa, Tucker, and Yuli Gurriel were hitless in the game so far, and then Bregman flew out, another hard hit fly out, and Correa delivered, and then uh, you go to Dusty Baker's postgame. I don't know if you were able to see this. But he said that Carlos Correa told him,
1: I'm going to walk this off when he went up to bat. Well, we'll start calling him the prophet then, I guess. Uh, he has a flair for dramatic. This is the Carlos Correa, honestly, Robert, we've been looking for for the last two or three years. You want to get the big money down the road. You want to be the franchise player. You want to be the you know, triple crown candidate. You got to do it not only in the regular season, but you got to do it in the postseason. And I think Carlos Correa, for anybody that had doubts about whether or not he could be a guy that the Astros could commit to long term, I think those doubts are no longer in question.
0: Dusty also talked about Correa in big moments. He said, "I've never been around anybody
1: better at that." Oh, I, I, he's you know he's been built for this. I mean, there are guys on this team, and it's not just because of who they are and what their preparation is. They've done it before. I mean to win the world series against a really ridiculously good LA team with all those back and forth games to go on the road last year, being down 0-2 in the world series, the nationals to go to DC and win three games there. And obviously they didn't end the way that they want to, but mm-hmm. this, uh, I, I just love the, and I'm not going to use the me against the world kind of thing, because that just goes to a, down to a narrative I don't want to address, but they don't want to leave. They, they felt like they underperformed during the regular season. This was a team that was looking for a collective group of guys to step up and in, in offensively. And while, again, they're not tearing the cover off the ball in terms of run production, they are smacking the ball around a little bit against a really good race team. You were just thinking, especially after they fell two, down to nothing in the series, when are they going to break out? When are those balls going to go through gloves? When is somebody going to hit the, the, the big monumental home run? And tonight we got it. And uh, like I said, I, I'm sure Tampa's feeling better. Uh, still being up three games and two, but it's going to be a little more of a sleepless night for night for them than it was certainly yesterday.
0: Yeah, going into, uh, I think, game four, I kind of felt like the Rays didn't have a whole bunch of guys that have reached a World Series, and I thought maybe the pressure of closing this thing out might get to them, and that might give the Astros a little bit of advantage. But anyway, it's three to two now. I don't know what the odds are of coming back from that, but, I mean, you, they've already started out 3-0, to zero, so I guess. Uh, but anyway, i got some more dusty quotes here. He said after the game that he said, man, that was sweet. But he also, going on what you said about they still got a long way to go, he said the pressure is still on us because we still got to win two games. But he said we get to play another day, and that's kind of what you talked about. They're not ready to go home. Uh, he said we're one step closer to getting over that mountain that a couple of days ago was way off in the distance.
1: No doubt about that. I think tomorrow, if the Astros could pull this off, and was it, is Blake Snell going tomorrow or is he going on Saturday? I don't know if that, have they announced that yet, what they're doing there.
0: I, I didn't see theirs. I just heard about – I mean, I guess it would be Blake Snell and then – uh Charlie Morton, because that tall guy, or whatever, I can't oh, his name. Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, Charlie's sitting there waiting for game seven. Hmm. Yeah, that, that'll I, be interesting. A, hey, Rob, if this gets a 3-3, three, three, the Rays won't sleep. They just won't. They just won't be able to sleep. <laughs> They'll know that a team that has been battle-testing the playoffs is ready to come take the trophy. I, I think that half of them thought the American League trophy was, you know, um, in, in, in on their side of the dugout to begin with. So... I can't wait to see it. it. This series now has 500 times more drama than I ever thought it would, especially after you're falling behind 3 nothing. And it's Thankfully, it's good because for so much crap that the Astros have taken, a lot of that on, on themselves, it's kind of fun to see how the, all the national media is trying to weasel their way out of saying something nice about the local nine.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're starting to come around. They, they have to admit it now. They have to admit that they're playing better, and I, I kind of hear it a little bit more nowadays. But another topic I want to talk to you about is uh, Jose Altuve. Uh, he's had the yips with the throwing errors. He didn't have any in today's game, uh, but he's had three. A couple of them were pretty costly. But he has a 1469 OPS in his game, so we're not where we're at without Jose Altuve.
1: No, uh, and I think that what you just said, described it. Uh, well, it's had three home runs so far in this series. I will say today, two of the throws to first base, one was a little left of the midsection of Yuli Guriel and then one took a bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's obviously a lot of overthinking about that, and that's great, and that's fine. But thankfully, him overthinking hasn't affected the team, because I, I don't want someone who I'm, such a fan of to have that legacy of this series be left on on his mistake. So I think he has more than made up for it. It isn't pretty. It's not fluid, but at least that's now two consecutive games where the Astros haven't had to worry about their second baseman and whether or not he can make a throw.
0: He did make a couple of errors, not errors, but like
1: base running.
0: Uh, yeah, you know what? You know what? That's a, he got, yeah, he got Rob, picked that's off the first.
1: Yeah, that's the legacy of him. If there was anything about Jose Altuve, if I said, what were the two things that bothered you most about Jose Altuve's career? That would be number one, hands down. And then number two, for about the first three or four years of his major league career, he just never wanted to draw a walk. He's done a lot better job of that in the last four or five, but that was early in his career. The one thing that he's not been able to escape is the base running mistakes and being picked off or trying to grab an extra base. And I appreciate aggressiveness but he has been but It has not been a – you would not want to put a film on and show the best of, base, of Jose Altuve base running because there would be a lot of mistakes. But if that's the worst thing about his career, I'll accept that because he has been a hit machine. He's filled his position very, very well, not counting this series, obviously. And he has been the heart and soul of how this baseball team went from a team that lost three, you know, 100 lost seasons in a row to, to where they are today.
0: Yeah, so the two hits he had – counted towards his OPS, but getting picked off at first and, like you said, getting thrown out at second, trying to stretch that hit into a double. Uh, But anyway, tomorrow's game, game six, is at 5.07. What time do the games come on that you prefer? you prefer them late?
1: They're going to be really irritated tomorrow because those shadows are going to be quite a mess for them. You know, I like 4 or 5 o'clock games because – you can sit, you know, first of all, you know these games are going almost four hours just because of the commercial breaks. And then you add all the pitching changes, it's going to add. it. I mean, how long did today's game go? I'm guessing I can look at the box score right now uh, and tell you that today's game was a three-hour and, uh, let's see, 3.36. So, if you started playing games, like, remember early in the series they were at 7.40? I mean, I was doing I was doing the call-in shows and starting at like 11.30, 11.45 at night. So, Uh, I don't mind it at all. I mean, the Dodgers and Braves obviously carry much more national cachet than the Rays and Astros do, but at this point, and I've watched a little bit of the Dodgers and Braves, but this series, the one that we're watching, the one that we care about, is significantly more interesting than the other one has been so far. So 5 o'clock to me is good. I don't care when they play it on Saturday, just as long as they get the chance to play it on Saturday.
0: So we were down 3-0 to Uh, after going down 3-0, to Michael Brantley said we've... Uh, won four games in a row before. Do you think these guys can pull this off?
1: Yeah, can they? Absolutely. And and that's why, you know, to kind of wrap things up, uh, you can the most incredible teams in baseball go on three and four game losing streaks. That's not out of the ordinary. Same thing goes on the other side of it. You can be a lousy baseball team and put together a winning streak of four consecutive games. So if anything in any sport lends itself to getting hot and staying hot and not worrying about what you did yesterday, it's baseball. And I love it, and I hope that it happens, because I remember watching the, the Red Sox in 2004 do it, beating the big old bad Yankees after being down 3 nothing in that series. And they were about two weeks later celebrating a world championship. So uh, in this highly gimmicky season, anything can happen. All I'm telling you is I am honestly, Rob, enjoying these games way more than I thought I would, because I just never gave – A lot of credence to a 60-game schedule to begin with, but you can't even think about that now. There's as much intensity in these games than you could have if they were playing them in St. Petersburg or in Houston. It's unfortunately sad there's no people in the stands to kind of actually see it firsthand.
0: All right, Matt, that's all I have. I do appreciate you coming on.
1: It was a pleasure and an honor talking to you today,
0: and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow.
1: Let's do this again after maybe a World Series victory. What do you think about that?
0: It's a deal. Me and you in the World Series. Perfect. Uh, but that, all right, that's it, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Matt Thomas, Sports Talk 790. Uh, we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.